Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle-working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. I'm going to be sharing with you today about doing eye surgery in China. Well, it was a very challenging thing to be doing because people were coming from all over the nation. I don't know how they found out that I was there, but somehow they did, and they came from long distances. And I saw eyes there that I've, I've never seen eyes like that in America. One woman I can remember had already had three eye surgeries on her on one eye, and she still couldn't see and still had problems. So she came to Beijing where I was doing surgery. And another little, bo a little boy I saw had an injury with scissors in his eye, and he'd had some sort of repair, the best that they could do in the area that he came from. He had a cataract and scar tissue all on the inside of his eye. So all day long, that's the kind of cases that I was seeing, one after another after another. And then in between the cases, you know, I'd have a little time because they had to clean the room, prepare it, and get the next patient in ready for surgery. So uh, while I was waiting one day, I was looking out the window, and, and it, it occurred to me that a song had been going over and over in my mind, and I hadn't really paid any attention to it. But as I started trying to figure out what was that song, uh, I realized it was a song from South Pacific, and I'm going to tell you why I, why I was, in my mind, the song was going over, because I had gone to the countryside, to the rural areas. I had asked to go there. I wanted to see what kind of medical facilities that they had. And when I got there, uh, I asked them to show me the surgery room, in this one place, and they showed it to me, and it had, it really had layers of dust, or actually dirt, on the surgery table and on the other, other things in the room. So it told me that, that they hadn't really used that room in a long, long time, because it was impossible to do surgery with that kind of dirt around. Then I asked him, well, where, show me where you sterilize your equipment. Because, you know, I knew we could clean up the room if that's all that we needed to do, but there had to be a way to sterilize equipment. So they took me outside and to a three-sided lean-to, and in this lean-to there was a black pot. They said they put water in the pot, they build a fire underneath the pot and get the, the water real hot, and they put the instruments in this boiling hot water. Well, that might do okay for some kind of instruments, but for my instruments, mine are very precise microsurgical instruments that are very delicate, very precise, and there's no way you could put them in this big, black pot of water and, and have them survive. So I knew right away that there's no way we could be doing surgery in a rural facility like that. So it fell into my heart to, I wanted to be able to provide eye care for people in the rural areas that, uh, number one, they, they either didn't have the eye care, or number two, if they had the eye care, uh, it, it, the, the surgeons there were not really equipped and not really trained to do proper eye surgery. So it, it was in my heart to somehow solve that problem for the people in rural China. 
many of them had no money to be coming to the city, and if they did, they didn't have the money to pay for the eye surgery. So I really wanted to do free surgery on these poor people in the rural areas. And so <clears throat> I had been talking about this to the Chinese people. How can we do this? Uh, can, can you help me to do this, to create a way where we could be doing surgery on these people from the rural areas? I'd been talking and talking about it to all the Chinese people I would meet. And so there I was, between surgery cases. I was looking out the window, and I was trying to figure out where this song, what, what was this song that was running over in my mind? Well, it was a song from South Pacific where a Polynesian mother was singing this song to her Polynesian daughter and a young sailor. And uh, she, the words were, were like this, uh, talk, keep talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about all the things you do. When you don't have a dream, if you don't have a dream, how are you going to make a dream come true? Those were the words to the song. If you don't have a dream, how are you going to make a dream come true? And I realized that, that, that I had been talking, talking, talking about a dream of mine to be able to provide care for these people in the rural areas. So then they had the next patient ready. I went on and did surgery all day long, and it was getting pretty late in the evening. And... Uh, you know, there still were patients to be seen and patients that needed to have surgery, but they were having a farewell banquet for me that night because I was leaving the next morning. And so I had to stop doing the surgery for the day. And they said, oh, but please, there's this one lady, she's begging, begging for you to do surgery on her. So would you please just uh, uh, somehow do surgery on her? So I said, okay, I have to leave and go to the banquet now. But tomorrow morning, I'll come in very early tomorrow morning before my flight leaves, and I'll do surgery on this one lady. So that was the arrangement we made for the evening. Now, that night's banquet turned out to be interesting. Uh, I, everywhere I went, they have banquets to thank me for helping their surgeons, helping their people. And so I was used to Chinese banquets, and most of the time they have a round uh, circular thing that moves that has the food on it kind of like a lazy susan with different dishes on it and and this banquet had those too and you would use your you would use your chopsticks then to eat with but in addition to those dishes this was a very special banquet they had served an individual plate to every person at the round table and it was a flat piece of something. I had no idea what it was. Of course, most of the time I had no idea what I was eating because they chop it up and you don't know what it is. And, and actually, I was grateful I didn't know because sometimes it's best not to know everything. So, but this piece was around something flat, about three inches in diameter, maybe uh, three-fourths of an inch thick, seated, and each person had one of these round things sitting on their plate, individually served. Now, the, the chief man, there's not really a head to a round table, but he was the chief man and everybody knew it. And I was seated to his right, and the lady that traveled with me, her name is Jerry, she was seated to his left. So everybody had one of these little round things except Jerry. And on her plate, instead of a flat round thing, was something heaped up, kind of heaped up on the plate. I didn't know what it was, and she didn't know what it was, and so she was trying to figure out what it was in a polite way, you know, polite way. This was a special banquet with special food, you have to understand. So she took the little plate, and she kind of turned it around a little bit, and she's, ah, she screamed and jumped backwards because this was 
actually what it was, the head of an eel and the mouth was open and the teeth were showing. And, and she, Jerry, is petrified of snakes, petrified. I mean, most women hate snakes. I guess most people hate snakes, but Jerry is petrified of snakes. And, and it scared her half to death. I'll, to give you an example of how scared she is of snakes, at one time, this is not China now, this is another time, we were, we were going around the world and we were flying over Pakistan in the middle of the night. Well, you can't see out the window, it's pitch black dark out, out of the window. And so she says to me, she said, if this plane crashed, do you think there's cobras down there? She's thinking snakes because we're over Pakistan. I said, Jerry, if this plane crashes, you don't have to worry about snakes. We'll, you know, none of us will be here anymore. So that's how scared she is of snakes. So this thing absolutely scared her half to death. So, you know, it's not polite at a very formal upscale banquet to be screaming and jumping backwards away from the table, but that's what she just, she just did. So the, the big chief at the big head of the table here, he sees that she's obviously startled by this and explains to her that that's the head of the eel, which is like the most precious part of the eel. Everybody desires this, this piece the very most, but Jerry didn't desire it. So he asked me if I would please have this. See, it's a great honor to offer this to me. I said, oh, no, 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 you must take this. You, I, you know, I'm not going to eat the head of an eel either. So, I, no, you take it. It's, it's for you. And so he took it, and, man, he just picked that thing up, and he just ate that whole, whole eel's head. It was the delicacy of the whole banquet for him, which I'm very happy that he got it and, and Jerry didn't. So the next morning, I got there very early, and I was shocked that the whole room, the surgery room, is filled with, filled with these other eye surgeons. I'm wondering, they came to watch to watch this surgery. I'm thinking, why are they so interested in watching? They all, actually, they'd been watching every surgery I was doing because they were learning how to do eye surgery, you know, modern techniques of eye surgery. But this day, there were so many eye surgeons in the room, and I couldn't figure out why are they so interested in this particular case. Well, once I got a look at this woman's eye, I figured out why they were so interested in it, because she had had glaucoma, and they'd done glaucoma surgery from the top part of her eye. They'd done glaucoma surgery from the bottom part of her eye. So she had all this scar tissue around her eye, and now she had cataract with scar tissue on the inside of her eye. Now, they wanted to come see how I was going to figure out how to do this. And in addition to that, it, you know, I usually bring intraocular lenses lens implants to put in people's eye. I bring them from America, but I was, I had already been doing surgery all these days, and, and the only intraocular lens implant that I had that was the power this lady needed was some kind of strange implant I never saw in my life. These were donated to me by people that make lens implants, so this particular one, I, I never had seen it. I never knew there was anything like it, but it was a round implant, all of them are, but then it had these long arms on it, like curving long arms on it, and like uh, catfish whiskers, just long carving, curving arms. So now it's my challenge not only to get through all the scar tissue, not only to get the cataract out, but once I succeeded in doing all of those things, the next challenge was to get this weird-looking lens in there. Now, in the middle of doing the surgery, there was equipment problem. The microscope stopped working. I had to wait, let them repair the, the machinery before we could continue. So once we continued and I, 
I put that, I put that lens implant in there, but then the question, how am I going to get these long curving arms in the position where they belong? You have to tuck them back behind the colored part of the eye. I didn't have the proper instrumentation to do this. So they were all watching. Boy, all those surgeons were gathered around just watching every move. How in the world is she going to do this? Well, I didn't know how it was either, but I pray, you know. The thing that I have the advantage of a lot of other surgeons is because I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great physician, and he knows how to do everything. And what I can't do, he can do. He, he, there's nothing impossible to him. So I just... I looked to the Lord Jesus Christ to help me to get the, all of that done, the cataract out, the scar tissue out, and now these long curvy things put where they belong. And with great effort and tedious, tediousness, finally I got every single one of those long curved arms back where it belonged inside of the eye and finished the surgery. Boy, I had a sigh of relief, and I think they were all astounded that it could even be done, and I was too. I was too. It was amazing. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that did that. And I know that. I give him the honor. I give him the glory. So I finished and, and I was changing back into my civilian clothes. And one of the doctors came to me and said, this lady you just operated on has a gift for you. She asked if you could please come by her bedside and see her before you leave. Remember, I'm on my way trying to make an airplane right now. But I go by the lady's bedside and she's, she gave me this gift. It was six jade pigs a mama pig, a papa pig, and four baby pigs. They were beautiful. She said she gave me six because six, the number six means very, very good. And she gave me pigs because the next year was the year of the pig. They have animals assigned to every year, every cycle. So that was a Chinese thing. But I always treasured those. I always loved those six jade pigs that that woman gave me. It reminded me of the day that that God did a miracle in front of our eyes to get all of her surgery done. So I go get on the airplane and leave. Of course, we, we come back often. I came back often during those years to continue to treat the patients, to teach the doctors, continue talking about my dream to have uh, an eye surgery center to do free surgery on these poor people. So I came back uh, a few months later and no sooner had I gotten in my hotel room than the head of the ophthalmology department calls me on the phone and he says, oh, Dr. Vaughn, I have something I have to show you right away. Can I come over to your hotel? Okay, okay, come on over. So he comes over and he brings me a newspaper article that was in the, the big newspaper in Beijing, China, which is the capital of China. And it was a long, long, long article written by this lady that I just described to you that gave me the six jade pigs. It was written by her, and she was just a common person. She wasn't any bigwig. She was a common, ordinary working woman. But they had taken her story and put it in this Chinese newspaper, so it was like great advertisement for, for eye surgery in China, and she put in there how conscientious I was and how I worked long hours and all of these things she put in this article and said that we were trying to come up with a way to do more, give more help in the rural areas. All of that was in this article. So this head of the ophthalmology department was so excited that his ophthalmology department was advertised in the best, best newspaper in the country, you see. So he was very happy. Well, we came back, as I said, many times. And one, one time, this is so interesting, I had a little bit of time off in the afternoon. And so 
Jerry, the lady that was traveling with me, she's a big shopper. And she was into Beanie Babies at that time. You know what Beanie Babies are? The little, little stuffed animals, you know, different kinds, bears and elephants and diff all different kinds of animals. They were called Beanie Babies. And it was the rage in America at that time, maybe in other countries too. But they were selling them like crazy in Beijing. And so she was at the silk market, which is a market that has little booths all along, people selling different kind of things. And so she was... And I, I, I had been told, I had been told that because of the prolonged television exposure that I'd gotten, uh, that I, you know, I didn't ask for any of this. God just did this. But I'm, I'm rewinding. I'll be back to the Beanie, Beanie Babies in a minute. But I want to I tell you the background on this. They had, there had been television crews that followed me everywhere. There were newspaper reporters that followed me. There were magazine reporters that followed me in between surgery cases. They'd come to me and, and want to know. The, the main thing they want to know, why are you doing this? They couldn't figure out, why are you doing this? They knew I was paying my own way to come over there. Sometimes they'd ask me, how much does it cost you to do this? Well, I mean, I couldn't really explain that to them too well, but, I mean, it would be too much money to even talk about because I was running a solo practice of medicine, and when I wasn't there, no patients were being seen. And so I was losing all the revenue from all those patients. And at the same time, I was continuing to pay my overhead, you know, all my employees and so forth. So then you, not only the airfare and for, so forth, but it, it cost a lot of money to go. They couldn't figure out, why are you doing this? So I would always tell them the truth. I'd say, because God has put in my heart a love for the Chinese people. And because of my love for the Chinese people, I want to come and help them to see. I want to help the blind people to see. Well, it told them, number one, that there is a God. And it told them, number two, that this God loves the Chinese people. So I always told that. So it's interesting, the articles that came out and even the television programs that came out, they would all, the, the head of the article would be things like, uh, lady from across the sea loves Chinese people. Somehow they'd put love in the, in the title of their articles, which was good with me because that's the truth. I did love them and because God had put the love in my heart. So they told me that common people knew who I was because they'd seen me on television. They made primetime television program out of the eye surgery center that we were creating. And and they told me, common, all the common people know who you are. Well, I, I didn't, you know, sometimes people exaggerate, and I really didn't believe that. But when we were in the silk market, I was in the silk market with Jerry that day. She was looking in this little stall that had beanie babies all on display. I was standing out in the middle of the walkway. I really didn't care about beanie babies. I was just looking at the day. I was so glad to have a little time out of doors and to see the sky and the trees. And I was just enjoying the day. And I hear this shopkeeper where she was. The shopkeeper says to me, he said, you, doctor, love Chinese people. I said, yes, yes, that's me. I love Chinese people. He knew, he knew who I was by just seeing my face because he'd seen me on television, I guess, and in newspapers, wherever. I don't know where he saw it. But it, it showed me that, that God, I'm saying God did this. He made, he made such a common made it so common to see articles about what we were doing and see me, God did this. And I believe that he did it for his purposes, not only to help blind people see, 
but for the future purposes of making the gospel of Jesus Christ made known to the Chinese people. So I was thrilled to know that they know that there is someone out there that knows God and God sent me here to help them because God loves me, loves them. I mean, he loves me too, thank God, but he loves them. He sent me here for that purpose. So uh, they, one day they, they took me out to the countryside and they took me to, to see a woman that I had operated on and when and oh, there's a big entourage, all these cars, all these dignitaries from the countryside, from the, from the county, we would say, from the city, from the whatever, all the rural area, all, all these long cars, cameramen. I told you they followed me everywhere. They followed me out there to the countryside. So all this long, and so I get out of the car, and there's a, a young girl, I think about 13 years of age. She takes my hand like it's in her hands, like it's, oh, like it's such a precious thing. I can't figure out. I mean, who is this girl and why is she doing this? She held my hand like in America they have weddings and they have a, a, usually a little boy that's a ring bearer and they have a pillow with the ring on the pillow and he carries it up to the altar where the man and woman are getting married. So she was holding my hand like a ring bearer and she led me up this dirt path to a little, a little one room hut, let's say, with, you know, a dirt floor and all this and and she leads me in there, and the, the, woman, the woman that was in there, the adult woman that was in there, was speaking, of course, Chinese, blah, 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 blah. She just was all animated and talking and talking. I didn't know what she was saying at all. And over on the side, there was a bed. There was a, a young man over there, and he was obviously paralyzed. He was paralyzed from below. He had use of his arms, but nothing below his arms. He was paralyzed below his arms. And he presented me with this gift that he had hand carved out of some piece of wood they found somewhere and it looked like a bird and and on the bottom it had an inscription that he'd carved into the wood and it was it was an inscription that was talking about love eternal love something like that and so I, I still have that in my home I display that I, I I love to watch it now later on after I I left the lady I found out what the story was, and this was a story. Her son, who was the man on the cot, on the bed, her son had fallen out, he was working, and he fell out of the back of a pickup truck, and the injury severed his spinal cord, so he became paralyzed. Well, he had an infant child, this uh, two-year-old child, and his wife then left him and the infant child. So here he was paralyzed with an infant child and the only person that he knew that could help them at all was his mother. His mother was a widow. His mother was the one that I had operated on. So she took care, this was when the, when the, the infant child grew up, that was the 13 year old girl that took my hand and led me into the house. So 13 years had passed, but when they first came to live with her, she could see fine even though she was a widow and an older woman, she could still see fine, so she took care of her invalid son. She took care of the infant baby, and she was happy to do that. And that was her whole life. She didn't have hardly any income at all, very meager substance, but she took care of them and she was happy to do it until she started getting cataracts. Her vision got worse and worse and worse until she couldn't see anymore. So now she could not take care of her paralyzed son anymore. They didn't have the money for the girl to go to school. 
so the girl could help somewhat. But it was, it was really three people that were in desperate need and nobody was there to help them. Well, the Red Cross in China had joined with us and was bringing, they were bringing people in. We had, God had enabled us to build an eye surgery center in Beijing called Glory Eye Center. So he enabled us to, to bring these people into Glory Eye Center and I had done surgery on the mother now. That's what she was talking about. Now she can see again. She's no longer blind. Now she can take care of her paralyzed son again, and the family unit can go on as it was in the beginning. So uh, that, was, that was a beautiful thing. Back to the Glory Eye Center for a minute. Uh, we, we were bringing, the Red Cross was bringing all these people into Glory Eye Center. We had bought an operating microscope. I had brought in equipment, modern equipment from America. I had the intraocular lenses that I was bringing to put into the patient's eyes uh, and suture material and medications and all of these things. We had all of these things in Glory Eye Center. Uh, and I was training an eye surgeon there to continue the work when I wasn't there. Actually, I brought, I brought four Chinese medical people to Dallas into my medical practice in Dallas and, and I trained them there in, eye, in things, eye surgery things, and, and how to handle eye patients. So when they went back to China with me, they taught the personnel in Glory Eye Center how to do these things, and I taught the surgeon how to do these things. So with time, news got out, and the public started supporting people and helping to pay for their eye surgery, and uh, we, we, we were able to get a van we were able to get a van and equip it inside with examination equipment. So now the doctors from Glory Eye Center could go out into the countryside. They would line up many, many people in the countryside and bring them in one at a time, examine their eyes, see what their need was. Did they have glaucoma? Did they have cataracts? What did they need? And what we could do to supply them in the countryside. And the ones that needed to have surgery, we would bring them into Glory Eye, surgery, uh, Glory Eye Center and do the surgery there. Another time, they took me to the countryside, and in this instance, it was a man that had had eye surgery. And again, we had TV crews with us, and he was going on all these things that I didn't know. But later on, I found out about him, that his story was he, he took care of an invalid wife, and he would ride his bicycle and go to a factory that wasn't too far away, and he was able to make a little income doing that, and he had a garden that he planted and tried to take care of that to have food for them. But when he got the cataracts, he couldn't see anymore to ride his bicycle to the factory. He couldn't see anymore to plant a garden, and so now he was helpless too. So they had brought him into Glory Eye Center. We did surgery on him, and he was telling all, now he can see to ride the bicycle. Now he can see to plant his garden. And you know, the Lord was speaking to me, and the Lord said to me, when you've done it, unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. So I was standing there, inside of me I was, I was crying because of what God was speaking to me because he was saying, the way that you took care of that man and you made that man see, it's as if you had done it to me. That's very touching to me. As if, as if I had done the surgery on Jesus. That's the way God viewed it when I was doing surgery on that man. It gave me a whole different perspective standing there in that man's front yard, seeing his dirt garden because he hadn't had time to plant a new one yet. 
and knowing that now he had a life back again because God had enabled us to go there and help that man and to help countless thousands of people. Well, I hope you, you see that God's using you in that same way, in some way, not doing eye surgery, but in some way to help the people around you that he can say to you too, what you're doing to those people and helping those people, you're doing it unto me. Thank you for being with us today. We'll see you next time. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.